right. Welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, or also, I might be releasing this on the old HJU radio uh, feed. So if you guys haven't heard from us in a long time, sorry. But yeah, we're doing a new podcast, which is like a little more geek general oriented. And I have a special one today. Today I have the creators of Bloodline of the Grid. I have with me DJ Rivers. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Cool. And we also have with us, uh, I'm going to geek here. I think potentially my favorite Red Ranger of all time, Christopher Kamen Lee. What is this? I think potentially maybe. What is I, that? It, it is a, what it's is a that? continual debate. <laughs> like that's a that's a geek thing you're supposed to do. You continue to go back and forth because like he's like he's, through the years. He's okay. He's okay. I mean, he only, <laughs> he only saved the <laughs> universe. And, you know, duking it out through the years. It's you, Leo, and Luke Wes. Skywalker. But yes, you do have the starship. That's that's pretty big. Andros has the force too. You know, that's yes. kind of a big thing. And a so. sword, and a cloak, and a sword, yeah, and a long lost sister, and a complicated oh, relationship. Yeah, also all, changed yeah. the game on like my enjoyment of Power Rangers from ironic to genuine. Um, oh wow! Wow! I, I'm not even, yeah, like so, like wow. my path through Power Rangers was like high school, uh, you nineties. You're looking for anything with like martial arts in it because I was in martial arts at the time. So <laughs> anything sure. that has it, and then like Power Rangers, like a little too goofy for me. But then I was like, wait. That's a Japanese show right there. And they're, they're good martial artists. Wait. And they're all in another joke. Okay, well, now I can just have fun with it. And then, like, it was a fun, ironic, you try to get into the drama. But then, like, you know, I kind of given up. Then Power Rangers in Space did happen. And it was, like, the Beast Wars moment where, like, instead of, like, liking it because you're part of that property, the story is actually, like, world building, science fiction, um, and, and Expanse. Like, the one of my favorite things was the line of, uh, you guys are planetary rangers. What do you know about space? I was like, oh my god, yeah, but I just like <laughs> blew up the universe where like rangers are like weapons that can be used and like anyway, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. So yes, you're potentially currently my favorite Red Ranger. So thank you for being on the show. My, see, my favorite line from our series was uh, it wasn't even my line. It was uh, it was Selwyn's line, and that was yep. uh, when. Uh, <laughs> We gotta go down there. We gotta go down into the Dagobah system and check yes. out for this, that, and the other. And I was just like, uh, "What?" I rewound that several times, going, "What the hell? Holy, yeah. holy shit!" He actually said it. Yeah, guys, guys. and 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 it spelled when we got the script. It was spelled the same way that Lucas spelled it too. So, it's, so it was like there was no like screwing around. It was like, "No, no, we stole that shit." Is there any legal whatnot for it? Like, I couldn't believe you guys said it. It was awesome, but like, is that legal? I guess it is. I mean, they, well, they, I mean, they've never gotten in trouble with it, but also mm, keep yeah. in mind, they were both on a Fox network. You know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like that's probably like a gray where it was 20th yeah. century Fox Star Wars and also Fox TV. So or what are they going to do? Yeah. And at the time, too, it was like <clears throat> um, this was supposed to be the last season of Power Rangers to ever be. So like mm-hmm. the producers really didn't give a shit. They were like, go for it. Just say whatever you want to say. We don't care. Yeah. What, so, so like. In my like uh, search for so, um, like I'm gonna like say that this does. I think you guys feel the same way. A lot of this podcast and what I've been doing with like um, studying creativity and whatnot is the fall of Star Wars and those mm. sequel movies, which crushed. Yeah, me. it's um, fallen very far. Yeah, so like <laughs> like my my I, my story with that was just like I was ready for the Force Awakens to be the greatest movie of all time. I was like, we're done with you, George Lucas. You're out of the way. This can only go up from here. 
You can't get worse than the prequels. Let's do this. Oh my God. Ah! And yeah, that was devastating. But so, my whole thing about the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy is um, I have a love hate relationship. Um, I'm disappointed with. I'm disappointed with Star Wars, the property in terms of the creative element about it is, is pretty, it's very merchandise. It is very much, let's just see what we can do at this point, as opposed to it. Cause even arguably the prequels weren't amazingly executed movies, but those movies in different hands still created a narrative and storyline that you can appreciate in terms of world building versus it was so painfully obvious that the sequel trilogy did not know what to do didn't care after like, years of not having a star wars movie that's um, the part that sucks yeah like so that yeah that was de- like they, they're all about like imagery and like not story like phasma was one of the most wasted opportunities that still has me confused um <laughs> but yeah. like so then like yeah i've been like studying like yo so how what what succeeds and what doesn't and because to me like uh, i was thinking you should be able to brute force creativity. Like they have all the money in the world. Just buy the best script, buy the best. And then like, you know, studying it, like, no, nothing works like that. Like you can't just like do it. Like accidents happen. People get in the right place, at the right time of their lives. And then power engines in space apparently happen. Cause <laughs> yeah. Like when I was ready, when I was sitting ready for, it, I was like, okay, okay. Like what are you guys going to do now? Cause turbo was like pretty low on story. And I was like, okay, so, oh, and this guy right here, he looks like Tommy. Okay, so is he going to just act like, oh, wait, what? He's not Tommy at all. And <laughs> what? He's got a story. What backstory? And then, like, world building. And then, what? The turtles are coming, too? Well, let me get my robe on, and I'm going to have myself a glass of wine. Ah, the turtles is horrible. So, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, it, yeah, creativity is a, a beautiful accident, as I keep on finding. Well, I definitely want to. I would, I would definitely to answer your question. Yes, it is. But uh, to kind of segue back and forth between Star Wars and um, ultimately Power Rangers and Bloodline, like when you think about the evolution of of ideas, even with Star Wars, anyone who ever deep dives into the original Star Wars and the behind this, I love the behind the scenes stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I really do because that's back in the day where you're taking ping pong tables and micro machine sets and practical executions just to kind of create this world where you can't just drag and drop at at a click of a button which is why even uh not to to get too off topic like a a constant with nerds i feel like now is criticizing marvel films as cgi where you watch the original iron man mind you not as much as happening i mean it is what it is you 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 extend more and you expand more the execution is going to be broadened but people compare the original iron man one cgi compared to you know, like something like uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And, you know, it is a little bit far from the tree in terms of the quality. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is you have practical effects with the original Star Wars, but that movie was an accident through and through where the original cut was so bad that George Lucas's wife and her team had to recut it, reshoot it, and then find the movie in editing. So George has all the props and praise and praise in the world in terms of the the element of conceptualizing, but execution has never been a strong suit. It never has been, yep. ever. So nobody yeah. telling him no. And uh, my bad, uh, but just finish a point. Like just nobody telling him no was uh, was probably one of the biggest things in terms of the quality of Star Wars. Because by the time he got to the prequels, he's Mr. George Lucas. Nobody's going to argue with him. Versus the cast, crew, and everything was questioning him the entire time in the first one. Irving Mm -hmm. Keschner 
killed the direction game in the second one where Harrison Ford is ad-libbing and making up lines on the spot type of thing. And by the time we get to the third one, now we get this, we, we're getting the precursor to the Gungans with the Ewok Care Bear special. So, mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've been finding like, yeah, through Strife, all of a sudden great art comes about versus like maybe, well, I would say like everything, everything in the row sometimes doesn't work. So, hey, would you say was uh, the set of uh, Power Rangers in Space, what is, was it a struggle every day or was it easy going and that's what created something great? What did you guys experience? Um, no, it was the, the working on set was, it was very easy, but, um, the other, uh, the other four had a, a, a good deal easier than I did. Um, obviously they knew each other, um, you know, oh, yeah. they, they all came in from turbo, but one thing that, um, that kind of <laughs> screwed it up for me was that, um, before I started filming with anybody, um, our executive producer, Jonathan, had told me to, uh, he pulled me aside and he said, um, so, you know, your character, he doesn't like them and all that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know what the, I know what the character is all about. I got you. And he's like, so, um, essentially what he boiled it down to was we'd really like it if you don't hang out or get to know or do anything with the cast. Um, you said that because, yeah, because, uh, because that would like, that would make it, you know, harder for your character or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, and I'm a kid, you know, I was a mm-hmm. baby on the set, and I'm still thinking to myself, you know, I can just act like I don't like them. Exactly. That's that's kind of why you hired me is I can act like I don't like them, but I can still get along with them. So for quite a while, um, in the when we first started filming that, um, they all thought that I was an asshole for real. Because I wouldn't have anything to do with them, and it's like, no, I. This is not my call. Yeah. yeah, if if Saban tells you jump, how high, sir? That's it. Um, so. would you say that did create something on screen though? Like, because like I, I've seen like several things like with uh things that actually make the actors uncomfortable, but it did turn out to turn into something interesting on screen. Like, I think that it it was it was. It did help to, uh, like, right off the bat, initially create, like, or, like, put some kind of a, um, <laughs> excuse me, a barrier between Andros and then the other characters, which was really great. And then they totally screwed the pooch because, like, by episode five or six, they're like, now you guys are best friends. And it's like, what the hell are you talking? How did that happen? Huh. When did, when did that happen? Why? Wh- you had a good idea. Don't have him like them. And then, or don't have him want to get to know them. Don't have um, him want to have anything to do with them. And then all of a sudden, now we're best friends. From the audience perspective, I think it was uh, frustrating for... No, no, you're completely right. Uh, it should have been of, of development. But yeah, yeah, from the audience perspective, I guess, like, especially if you're a little kid, like, I just want to see you guys play together. So skip to the end. And, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and then uh, my next question is to DJ, then, on creativity... Oh, no, no, it's both of you guys then. Um, on creativity, what was the spark? How did this happen? And uh, I'm not sure if this has something to do with the start, but a main question that I kept on coming to like throughout the week, I'm like watching Unworthy, this, and um, third one. Oh, Shattered, Shattered Grid? Shattered Past. Shattered Past. Um, you guys hit a level of production that no one else did. How did you guys do this? Like, 
what happened? This is the, <laughs> wow. the, 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 the yeah. So like, I wanted to like uh, the podcast was originally supposed to be about Stranger Things because like this is how the podcast works. Uh, we watch something awesome, and I, I get one of my favorite creatives on, and like we talk about that thing. But then like I was like, oh, I should probably watch their episode too, you know. So we talked about that, and then like more, I'm like, oh my god, oh my, oh my god, oh wait, this is the episode. Okay, yeah, we gotta change this up. So. <laughs> Yeah, episode um, two looks pretty damn good, doesn't it? Yes. What happened? How did this all start? You can, you can thank all, DJ for that. You can thank DJ for uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then also the surprise reveal, which I should already know, and I apologize for not paying attention enough to your life, DJ. I didn't know you were a director. Because uh, like I was like I was like watching it, and I was like, God damn, that was good. And then da, 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 DJ Rivers, like, whoa, oh my god. So all of a sudden, <laughs> like the, the the podcast changed. I was like, okay, I need to talk to DJ and Chris. How did this start? What happened? Wow, go man, go! I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm on Chris to answer it, but the one thing I'm gonna, well, the few things I'm gonna say right now is number one, thank you for the love. Um, even you saying like the quality and the production is, uh, whatever you said it was, thank you for that, man. It, it has taken a lot of blood, sweat, and tears with the uh, the cast and crew. So I appreciate, I just appreciate the the love real quick. But go ahead, Chris. You you could you could you could go down the trip of memory lane, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll follow behind. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole idea of it came. <clears throat> came around like God, I don't even know how many years ago. It's it's many many years now at this point. Like I'm going to say bare minimum eight, maybe sure. ten. Um, sure. And it was originally an idea that was brought to me by um, uh, one of our huh, one of our associates. Yeah, yeah, one of our associates, uh, Rando, and uh, he had talked to me about it a long time ago, and it was like you know. Um, what if, and you know, it it was a very, really, really simple concept right off the bat. Like Mm -hmm. it was just basically one question. What if Andros actually was the son of Ecliptor? Oh my God. And, and when that question was brought up to me, then it was like, that like made me look back at the series from, you know, a million years ago. And I'm looking at it, like I'm looking at the series with that in mind, and I'm thinking, holy shit, was that their idea the whole time? <laughs> Were they actually doing that? Because that makes so much sense. Yeah, why he's so interested in Tyrone and you. Well, well, yeah, the, 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 the like big to, thing to of it is, the big thing of it is that, like, you know, he, he obviously, he never treated her like, okay, boss, and she never treated him like, okay, Goldar you know, dumb monkey guy in the corner over there. She never treated him like that, but he clearly cared for her. Yep. And then when you watch the series, um, he fights Andros. I don't know how many times throughout the series, but it's a bunch of times. And every time he beats the shit out of Andros, like just, it's not even a fight. It's, it's like, it's brutal to the point where he could just kill him, but he never does. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, okay, so <clears throat> he's training his daughter uh, to be queen, evil queen of the universe and all that. Mm-hmm. And then he's making his son tougher and tougher with each fight. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that now makes a lot of sense that... um that Ecliptor would actually be their father. And you know, that, that was, uh, that was the original, the original question. And then, well, that quickly changed over to, okay, well, keeping that in mind, um, 
And I, I always wanted it to be more than just about Andros, but I did want it to be, I wanted the main focus to be two things, Andros and um, Zane. So the idea changed over to, okay, not just Ecliptor is dead. Now it's Ecliptor is dead, but what are Andros and Zane doing right now? And even then that was like, okay, that's good, but that's not enough. Right. Because that's, that's like, that's just a tiny sliver of what we could do. And when DJ come, uh, came on board, um, he kind of opened it up to what's going on in the universe, not just what's going on with these two guys. Fantastic. So no, no, I appreciate all that, man. And that's exactly it. So credit to Chris, because literally it is, first of all, Chris is a creative and that's what I admire about the dude. He, he is open-minded. He, he does like to explore the potential in things. So, um, not to bring it back to stars and George Lucas, but some of the best works is because it is a collaborative process type of thing. And originally when Chris brought me on board, it was strictly as a potential role, strictly as a potential role. Um, it was the, the thought process of what are the other teammates doing the team members doing but also the possibility of next generation because it is a time jump type of thing so as he's given me the concept which from the get-go was already interesting because it changes the narrative when you look back uh, on the show regardless of intent regardless of interpretation or not there was a lot of uh, elements of in space power rangers in space that left everything open-ended case in point we never really found out directly into the show or in the show why uh, Ecliptor was such a, a father figure to Corone. It was never fl- flat out explained. We, I mean, you could chalk up as far as why didn't Ecliptor destri- uh, defeat Andros? You could co- you could top it up to, well, then we don't have a show, or because of this, or because of that, or you can apply a new layer of context and all of a sudden completely change the way you look at the look at the show, and then go, you know what? That's a that's that's a point. That's that could possibly be it. So. What started I, off? No, please, no, please. I was gonna say like uh, I, I'll admit that I, I, I remember seeing like all like the, the bits and stuff as it was as it was coming, and I was in the uh, the camp of oh man, you guys gonna ruin Andros because I thought that you guys were gonna make him the evil bad guy, and I was like ah, oh, don't do this. But then the 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 episode starts unfolding, and you guys actually do storytelling within the costume. I have so much love for what you guys did. So yeah, great. No. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You oh, have no idea how many um how many how many times it's been asked. Why is Andros evil now? Yep. Yeah. Every uh, like like so many times, hundreds of times. People have been burned people, by Last Jedi so hard that we can't yeah. wait for the next time they, they someone does that to the next person we love. That's what I thought <laughs> you guys were gonna do because that's that's really art. Like maybe he was always evil. Like oh come on, don't do that. Like no, no. Wait, oh oh, no, everything we're really doing. Everything we're doing is so intentional. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when the concept came about where, okay, so like Chris said, the main two focal points was um, Andros being the son of Ecliptor, which by through proxy, a crone, the children of Ecliptor, but also the important individuals in Andros's life, which is the KO-35 boys. It really is a Zane, Devil May Cry relationship with Andros, you know? One's a little bit more serious, one's a little bit more surfer at the time, right? So, So with that said, as I'm... You know, because Chris and I have been friends for a long time, 
I started asking them the questions, not to not to just like pick holes or anything. I'm just really asking like, okay, so what else is happening? Like, how how far is the story? How contained is the story? What's the what's the bigger picture? So we started fleshing it out. Um, I couldn't even tell you how it snowballed from us just like talking shop to uh, to, to pre production per se. But that's that's a that's a question I get. Um. Uh. So uh, two questions. So the first one is. Do you guys remember where you were? Like, were you at, like, at a bar? Uh, were you got like just on a walk when you the, the the first spark hit when you talked to Rando Calrissian? I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. And then um, when like you guys talked to DJ, like where were you guys when it happened? Well, the first time that I had spoken to Rando about it was, I think it was at a convention in Florida. Uh, I can't remember which one though. Okay. Um, but that was, that was years ago. And the idea was, like I said, it was just like, okay, Andros is the son of Ecliptor and what is he and Zane doing? That idea like kind of just stayed, stayed where it was for a very long time, um, Mm -hmm. for quite a, for quite a while. Um, there was, you know, uh, ideas thrown out here and there of like, well, um, what about like TJ? What would he be doing? Or what about Ashley? What is she doing? Or whatever. And, um, but nothing was ever like written down. Nothing was ever like, you know, like, okay, this is definitely the right idea to do with that person. That should, um, that, that should be set in stone or whatever. And when DJ came on board, um, he kind of just like kind of whipped us all into shape and, and, uh, got it moving in a different direction, but honestly, I can say without even having to think about it, a much better direction. And then DJ, so yeah, how did you, uh, how does this come together for you? Because once again, how do you guys hit this level of production that other people didn't? Yeah, tell me where it came from. No, that's fair. Uh, I, I could also answer another question as far as do I remember when Chris and I just started like sparking? Yes. Yeah, I came, um, he had came to my place. Uh, we did actually end up going to a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, uh, a few drinks later, it's like, you know what? We should incorporate this, that, and the other. Da, 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 da. Was and that the, uh, the bar, the, um, the, the goat one, what is the name of it? Uh, the, angry, the angry goat or something like Thirsty? that? Oh, no, oh, you mean the tipsy, tipsy cow or something? Something with a goat in it. I thought it had a goat in the name of it. Damn. No, dude. It was like, well, we went to, first of all, kill we, went me. Thirsty, we went to Thirsty Merchant, first of all. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. We went to thirsty, yeah, yeah. thirsty Merchant. I don't know about a goat, but hey, if I was there, I'll remember. Um, but no, so, uh, man, let me let me see if I can streamline this because it's, it's years of uh, concepts and then moments of, of, fruition and, mm-hmm. and 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 materializing it because um it stayed a concepts even when we were talking about it it was the concepts but it wasn't as long as chris having it under lock and key for like years and again the original concept was was very much i don't want to say basic but it was very it was very simple now yeah. the deep dive into it I started getting into more content creating and working with creators and influencers and even on the, uh, the Hollywood end, you know, just started being part of uh, certain productions. Um, 
And then even with Colin and NerdBot, that relationship developed over the course of time where I started off as one character uh, for one of his series, uh, First Ninja. And it was a play on the the Cyclone, you know, the Green Cyclone Ranger from uh, Ninja, Ninja Storm. So that working relationship start, started off with that. And as both of our trajectories kind of kept going, Chris and I, of course, are, are great friends. And this has always been in the oven but it wasn't necessarily like, hey, DJ, make this happen, or Chris, da 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 da. It was just more like, this is a concept we both wanted to see happen. Fast forward and jumping a whole bunch of details, we start fleshing it out in passing ever so often. Just like, hey, what do you think about this concept? What do you think about this concept? And as the relationships kept growing, especially with Colin and Nerdbot, it finally got to a point where I remember specifically it was after New Year's, and Chris hits me up and is like, dude, little brother, we have to get this going. It was literally that when, when Chris puts his mind to something, mm-hmm. it's exactly that. It's like, dude, that's it's no more talking. We have to do this. I want you part of this. I don't know to what capacity, but let's you and me do this. And me, I'm a I'm I'm me. And it's not often where I'm speechless. And the only thing I said back was, I'll call you back. <laughs> And then the conversations <laughs> later, I remember literally driving, I think, actually, dude, coincidentally, I think we were going to my mother's, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I get a call from Colin and, and Nerdbot. And then we're just, and the conversation basically went, yo, we really want to make this happen. We want to collaborate. Let's see what we can figure out as far as what makes sense. Once again, fast forwarding, fast forwarding, fast forwarding. Then Chris and I really started deep diving as far as what's the approach, what's the tone. So pulling all of our resources and trying to get our MacGyver materials together as far as, okay, well, I have bubble gum. I have shoestring. Well, I have a lighter. What can we make out of this? Cool. Well, well, this is how we're going to break out this prison. So That's good. I hope that answers your question. question because, and then it Absolutely. Now it's more than just bloodline of the grid. And for the longest time we called, we were calling it blood of the grid. And then we, 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 we we were polishing the tone of everything. We were polishing the, the, uh, the mindset of everything. And even the incorporation of, uh, you know, like it wasn't intended to be like a a crossover integration with shattered past and Nerdbot, but we found where it made sense in order to lend each other's uh, characters. And again, one thing I want to, and I know this is like way longer of an answer than, than it should be already. But I, I, I respect Chris so much. There was a certain tone and quality I knew it had to have. And being the, the masochist that I am, I'm over here just like, you know what? If I'll, I want to make sure it happens. I don't yeah. want it to be a question of we could have done it. I want it to be a conversation of we're doing it and we're doing it right. So did I it, hope. Did it right. Uh, yeah, like what I saw on the screen was kind of, I'll say it's wish fulfillment for a lot of fans, especially me. Like you did create TK who is like almost exactly who I'd want to be in the Power Ranger universe. There's inches of things that like, yeah, like the Power Ranger space, whatnot has lived in my mind since it went off the air. So getting to see you guys again in action is just, it's a lot of fun. And did I also see that you did the choreography DJ? Some of it, but I want to give a big credit to our actual choreographer, who is uh, John Tiang and his team. And he's, again, another relationship that, um, you know, I acquired or we we developed over over time as well. We've worked on on different projects. And the irony is 
and this is happy accidents. If you want to talk about uh, uh, behind the scenes production stuff, that was a happy accident because originally I had another guy in mind. It didn't work out. Long story short, which is fine. It happens. And then John was like, uh, uh, you know, we all have social media. We all have our followers and making friends. I came across him after not seeing him in a, in a while. And it was more like a shot in the dark. He literally comes down to my place and we drive down to location, the location where you see the Crybot fight happen. I always knew I wanted that fight to be there. It's the worst and best decision I ever made. <laughs> Why yeah. worst? Oh. oh, Chris, please try, man. Oh, man. So that location... Um, it's hell. There's good. There, there's good and there's bad to it. Uh, the good is that it looks really cool. It, yes, it it's does. very. It's a very unique kind of setting. And the bad is, it's a really unique kind of setting. It really yeah. sucks getting down there because there's no easy way to get down to like from where you get a park to where you actually um to where we actually filmed. Um, that's a hike. That's a long ass hike and you're climbing over rocks and mountains and shit. And it's, it's, and we're carrying, you know, we are carrying like all this equipment with us, you know, I was just just about to say the hike is fine. It's the stuff we have to carry with us with production stuff to get to location. That's the pain in the ass, but please. Yes. Cause we gotta, we gotta carry in also like, cause you know, we got all the camera equipment, we got all of that stuff, but then we've got all of our props. We've got all the stuff for the stuntmen, their outfits, their, uh, their helmets, their, 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 uh, crash pads, all this shit that we're carrying down there. The, ca- the camera, um, the camera equipment, the green screen, the, the everything, everything. That's, and, that's, uh, and, uh, our, and our stuff as well. So uh, just to answer your question. Oh, go ahead, Chris. One half. But that's one half of the problem. Oh, the other right. half of the problem is that when you look, when you look at that scene where, uh, where DJ starts fighting the crybots, um, you can see that there's a big, um, like, a, like a rock wall kind of right behind him that rock wall is bullshit and i hate it yeah because yeah so okay so what happens is okay because that ridge because that ridge is so big Uh once the sun gets behind it it cuts out all the the shooting time in the day so the natural lighting changes the shadow orientation and even like the 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 daylight type of setting uh so if it's about three o'clock it looks like it's about six o'clock did you guys it do this more than one day? Oh, oh God. Oh, my God. That's what I mean about that, one of that's the best the story. And, well, that's what I mean about it's one of the best and worst decisions I've made because we had to go down there so many times because oh, the yeah. shooting time. Because if you go too early, the, the, the lighting is different. If you go too late, the lighting is different. So there's literally a pocket time, not to mention your scheduling for the walk down there, clean up and walking out of it, choreo. If, 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 if one of the biggest compliments I feel like we've gotten with this episode is the pacing that yes. it's twice as long. It gets to 30 minutes and it doesn't feel that way. And mm-hmm. that as a, as an editor, that's when I'm like, blessings. I appreciate you guys. That means we succeeded. But in general, it was a lot of time going down there. And here's the thing too, the seasons kept changing. And if you know anything about this location, you wait a week, a week and a half and the Foley and everything else around it changes. Like, what was once was brown is now green. What was green is was once brown. That type of stuff. Um, so connect, connecting it back to the original question about the stunts and choreography, I go down there with John Tiang. I'm scouting location. I'm scouting location. I'm telling him about the concept. I'm telling him about what the idea and angle is. And I have him talk to Chris. I get him on the phone. I'm like, Chris, 
I like this guy a lot. I want you to talk to him. Let me know what you think. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. John oh. comes in with his amazing team. I'm going to forget a few people. I'm going to apologize right now. But shout out to uh, uh, to Sky, Abel, Thomas, uh, Jozar, um, uh, Meiji. Uh, who, am I, who am I missing, man? I, feel, I know I'm missing a lot. But anyways, they... Yeah. they more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's an amazing team. But here's the thing, too. The, the Crybot scene looks like there was about 8 to 12 of them. We had like maybe 3 or 4 at any given time. Yeah. Dude, good trick. Yeah. So yeah. we had to be very... I had to frame it in a very specific way to make sure that it seemed busy and without Ooh, it seeming and coming off too putty, like where, yeah, they're all in the background, but they're not doing anything. So just making it make sense. And I'm such a stickler for just like continuity as much as possible. Every show impressive. has continuity. Every show has uh, continuity. Errors, dude. Imp- That's- impressive camera work, man. Uh, Cause like when I was watching, I was like, that looks like a lot of money for just like the, to hit the <laughs> two hit point ninjas. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> been, but it was only just three of them. Three or four so, at any given time. We we maybe had five max on any given time, but realistically, well, a lot of, well, a lot if of we if we had five, then then one was obviously John then too. So. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's so good John, point. So including yeah. John. And John so, is always on set with the uh, with the boys. So, so, yeah. so not only was he serving as uh, our main stunt core, like put it this way, I had the concept and I had the sequence in mind, and between collaborating with him. Um, he would come with his choreography and I would come with my choreography, but it is still more him than me. I know I, I made my adjustments and I knew what I wanted specifics, uh, specifically. Uh, but we like John so much that, again, there's a reason why the, the character Vincent Reyes does exist, which uh, developed into uh, Justin Nemo's character, Zane's, Commander Zane's right-hand person and becoming his lieutenant, and I couldn't be more proud of him becoming that character. Yeah. Oh. Uh, let's see. The next place I was going to go with this is. Oh, uh, what's the name of the starship? What's the name of the starship? I need to know. Dips. The Obsidian. Ooh, good name. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah we, we, I, may, we, may, we may put a little uh, um, uh, color in front of it. It might be the red Obsidian, Crimson Obsidian, I, but. Yeah. Obsidian. I was leaning towards Crimson Obsidian. <laughs> uh, I dig it. Um, Oh, uh, here's a question back to Power Rangers in Space, something I've been wanting to know for a long time. I love Psycho Red. Holy shit, I love Psycho Red. Um, <laughs> there's like this m- memory that I'll never forget. Because um, it was like me and my friend Mark, we were the ones who were in the Power Rangers and no one else wanted to ever hear about it because, you know, we were in high school. But um, yeah, so like uh, the, the episode comes on where Patrick is like actually on screen. And I was like, dude, you gotta see this. And like, when I put those, when they showed up on screen as humans, my buddy couldn't help but go, damn! Like, they smoldered. Their their faces looked like a punch. It was awesome. Um, so, was he the voice actor the entire time? And did you guys ever, con- did they ever consider, like, having him on the screen more than once? Was he the voice actor for Psycho Red the whole time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was it, always the, uh, he was always the voice. Uh, I don't, I have no idea if they were ever going to bring them back m- more than once. I don't I mean I don't think that was ever <clears throat> in the uh, cards. Um, I never even met him when we filmed. Oh, um, oh yeah, sense. I I never met him. Um, he told Patrick told me that like the day that they were filming, or maybe there were two days. Uh, but he said that like I was there, um, and I guess he and I were both there at lunch. But I had no idea who he was. Um, and he didn't come up to me. He was just like, "Oh, that's the guy. That's the uh, the red guy." Oh, okay. Um, I had no mm-hmm. idea because I was, never any, I was never in any scenes. Uh, oh, at 
I think it was Power Morphicon many, many, many years later. Some. I believe I believe it was Power Morphicon. Yeah, I, I, I thought like him and the rest of them had like fantastic. I was I thought was, like, <laughs> there's like there's there's two sides of it to me like because they only did it once has kept it to be like a super special episode that I have gone back to over the years. But I just kind of wondered like yeah that seems like a waste like they uh, they have good screen presence they would have been good rivals on the screen so it would have been yes all right. Uh- I remind remind you like it is the bond and giving people screen time wasn't exactly uh they're the most known reputation. That's true. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he also he also keep in mind they didn't even unmorph or give a civilian form to all the psycho rangers. It was literally just uh yeah. Patrick, the yellow, and I wanna say black. I might be wrong. It was, yeah, it was Michael and Patrick, and then I cannot remember her name that was uh yellow. I know that uh the the Guy that was blue, it's Wally Wingert, right. um, voice actor who's been in the business for since for the beginning of time. Yeah, right. and he's done everything. Um, uh, and Pink, I don't, I don't really know too much about her either, which hmm. kind of is crazy. It, can we give you a little bit of behind the scenes on Bloodline in, re- in regards to Patrick? Absolutely. <laughs> Patrick was an accident, dude. Say what? Patrick's involvement was an accident. Yes. Like, like as much as like he's become such a, a main character in this, which I'm yep. so glad he, he is. Perfectly balances with you guys. Oh, yeah. dude, and that's that was kind of the. And I'm so glad you said that, but that was kind of the, the the goal and hope that once that dude, I feel like Bloodline is one big like series of light bulbs just going above our heads, man. If we were like comic books, that stuff would just it would just be going off on like <laughs> because um, a, lot of, a lot of happy accidents. A I, I lot also of happy see. Accidents. I see a lot of DBZ in you guys' hearts because, uh, like, I'm seeing wow. Andros is uh, Piccolo, your Gohan, and uh, Patrick is Vegeta. 100%. Yes. Pretty much. That's that dynamic. Uh, so that's exactly what of, it is. And so, Love in terms us. of, like, Patrick's story, real quick, if, if you don't mind me segueing real quick. Please. So, episode one, do you know the story about episode one, per se, Keith? Like, do you know the actual intent of episode one and what it was supposed to be? No. I'm going to say no. Chris? Um, the, the first, so bloodline of the grid episode one is not bloodline of the grid episode one. It's bloodline of the grid. The trailer Zero that was, yeah. yeah, that that was what the intention was. It was never supposed to be, this is going to be an episode. It was never supposed to be like 11 and a half minutes longer. However long it was, I, I thought it, it was supposed to be one minute, maybe both trailer. So we, it was supposed to be just a teaser. And yeah. the, the fact of the matter is I shot way too much. <laughs> way too Whoa. much so the original concept is imagine like a, a trailer where maybe it, it pulses in pulses to black pulses in pulses to black and you see little imagery here and there uh i'm not gonna lie dude i mean regardless we are star wars fans um even if we have different tastes in star wars stuff or we we are dragon ball fans even if we have different tastes of dragon ball stuff so um for instance the imagery of chris and his back towards camera I'd be lying if I said I didn't take influence from uh, say what you want about the sequel trilogy. It's still beautifully shot period. Like it's, it's technically wise, technical wise. It's probably the prettiest looking of the star Wars movies. I'm not going to say like whatever about the, the quality of storytelling, but the shot of Luke Skywalker uh, at the end of force awakens. I love that shot. I really do. I've always loved that shot. Oh, yes. So Andros is back to camera as the drone flies towards him, completely inspired by that. But it's not your Luke. It's it's our Luke Skywalker, and it's a different type of Luke Skywalker. He's 
We don't know what he's about. He is mysterious. He does have an eyepiece and has a certain transformation happening. So it's totally valid that fans took away like, oh, we're just making him a bad guy? Like, no, pay attention to the details. Not only is he wearing these these garbs and he's making a physical transformation, he also has his locket. And it's not just a locket, it's Caron's locket. It has a her symbol on it. Oh. You know, okay, I, I think you guys are revealing things that I don't know if everybody knows this because, like, I don't think I, I didn't figure it out until this conversation. I but respectfully, but, out. But, but but respectfully, if you paid attention to the series, it's all there. Like, I'm not oh, yeah. saying anything that you can't put two, two and two together. Like, I'm not spoiling alert or I'm not spoiling anything that is like, oh man, that you would have never. Like, no, no, no. If you actually just think about it, Caron's yeah. Andros's locket was always barren. Caron's locket is the one with her symbol. Period. Cool. Um, Stuff like that. So the, the so, part so, that so, I didn't know or can, didn't figure out at all is that uh, Eclip- the, you guys doing the Eclipters being uh, Andros's father, and that oh, yeah, he's going cool. through a transformation. I didn't. So like, yeah. All my my head canon was like, okay, he did something to himself to harness Eclipter energy for some reason, and. Now I'm finding out he's going through a transformation. And well, if you watch episode two, it's there. We dropped it in episode two. The father part? Yeah. The conversation with Nemo. So when, when uh, Sam and Zayn are talking, the mm-hmm. last the exact, the very last line is, you're not going after Andros, my ex-Power Ranger and my friend. You're going right. after the Red Raider, the heir and son of Ecliptor. What does, I... Andros, what does Andros call himself? The Red Raider. This nice. is not spoilers. It's in there. Nope, I, I missed the I, I missed the 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 sun. I, I apologize. I apologize. That's, that's, that's all good. But anyways, the cool. point is. So long story short, as far as episode one, so we're filming it. It was supposed to be pulsing like, oh, you see the back of Andros. That's mysterious. You might see a portal show up. You might see TK. You might see a little scuffle. And then bloodline of the grid. Oh wow, that's that's awesome and epic. I, we shot way too much, and the executive <laughs> aide was just like, you know what? I think I can make an episode out of this. Give them a taste of the world and leave him wanting more let's just do it the decision was made episode one happens the reception's been nothing but awesome awesome and positive um big well then but also like at the end um because like out of nowhere uh dj had brought up you know uh can we get patrick yeah and uh and there was the idea of using Patrick, um, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, now we got this whole scene where he flat out just murders two dudes, and uh, at the very end, you know, cackles and uh, transforms into uh, Red, uh, which, by the way, I'm going to tell you a little secret, we don't have a Psycho Red suit. We have a Psycho, <laughs> green, we have a psycho green suit. That is not Holy Red. Holy shit! Is, that, is, that is, yeah, that is green, that is not Red. Uh, I, want, I want to give a big shout out to our co-producer, uh, Jerry Cotto. Uh, he helps me with the editing. I do all the assembly and stuff, and then much more talented people do the effects. But Jerry uh, polishes it up and makes it amazing, right? So he 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 chromes it so that he transforms the Cycle Green suit into red. So in both episodes, and and when he morphs into Cycle Red, it's a green suit. Even in this last episode where Cycle Red appears, that is a green suit. So even the original concept for Patrick being involved was supposed to be more of a Marvel-like uh, after-credit scene type of thing. And yeah. I had pitched this. I had said, like, imagine a place where there's bodies on the ground, and then like, maybe he's at a terminal, and then he like turns the camera and says something. That was the original concept, where he didn't Ooh. have to do much, and that right. he would just be revealed. And then that didn't happen. Because, you know, 
we, we, we had a location that just looked really alien and badass. So we, we decided to go down there. Chris forgot to tell Patrick the scene changed. So mm-hmm. Patrick was ready to just sit down at a place, turn to camera, and then cackle. Mm-hmm. I end up having them run towards people, ha- uh, fighting people, oh, snapping wow. ne- snapping a guy's neck, going on communicator. And then he was not ready for any of that. And um, it, it ended up not being an after credit scene as opposed to like the next scene of the first of the same episode. And the reception was so good. I'm like, dude, this is your team. Because part of the other concept about um, Andros being the Red Raider was him having his team of Red Raiders, plural, you know? Mm-hmm. And... and TK was in the equation, and that's fine. But what if one of his biggest rivals was on it, and you do have that Vegeta on the on the sh- on on the team? What's that dynamic like? So that's how the Red Raiders and the main the main two lieutenants of Andros, which is still expanding, by the way. That's how that got geared up. And I'm doing a lot of talking. Shut me up, thank you. Oh no, dude, this is like what I want to <laughs> hear. You, you're just, you're singing to the so, choir, man. So that was so that was like kind of a last minute change, a, a, a very big last minute change for episode one. But there was another, I feel really big last minute change for episode one as well, which was the opening uh, narration. Because oh. um, I had ta- I I had told D- uh, DJ I was like you know I'm really I'm really tight with Dave, um, we could maybe get him to do like an opening narration and you just like, all right, I'll write it up. And then boom. So I, I just hit up Dave, <laughs> Dave fielding. And I was like, can you do this for me? And just make it sound cool the way you do. Should we know should, do, who's Dave fielding? That's sort of dude. Oh, good Jesus. What the, Oh hey. my God. Yeah. I'm a terrible fan. And I didn't even <laughs> notice that you guys have Zordon in the opening. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. He, that's that's Dave. Now, whether or not he's actually whether or not he's actually like doing the Zordon voice, nah. that's that's not like nobody's saying anything about that yet. But I did want Dave to do it because it's like this is a fun little Easter egg that uh, some people might catch on to it, some people might not. Whatever. And I mean, obviously, he's credited there, you know, narrator Dave Fielding, and then we got a him. A lot of people, it. a lot of people notice. A lot of people yeah. really, really notice. I think a lot of people really noticed it in episode two. He does a very different um, rendition of it in episode two, though. Um, in episode yeah. one, he does more of a sage-like uh, uh, type of uh, um, a persona, and in episode two, he kind of leans a little bit more uh, heavy into the Zordon persona, mixed with the sage. And um, I wanted to give. I mean, dude. I, it, it is a credit to, I, I love the way Chris and I work because dude, it's funny that we were able to change the narration for episode two. It's something I wanted to do, but I didn't think it was something we were going to do because I had like, as always, I have like a hundred different things going on trying to get stuff ready. Right. Chris hits me up literally the sad, uh, the Sunday before we're talking it on that Tuesday. Yep. And then I wake up to the text like, yo dude, you know what I was thinking of, man? We, we, we have Dave building, so we should utilize them. You know, maybe we, we maybe we should just change up the opening opening uh, narration. What do you think? And yeah, he didn't, I, he I didn't want to use like the same one from the first one. You know, I was thinking like, you know, maybe we just have him do another one, a different one. And, oh, and yes. he was absolutely right. And the, the thing about it is, like, he didn't know this, but I wanted to do that. It was just the first. It was just the furthest thing on my mind because I had like again hundred other things I have to get done right. And in a moment of effort, like straight up. Fuck it. Pardon me for not supposed to cuss. It was fuck, fuck, fuck yeah. So in a moment, 
So the you, moment, opened up the, you opened up the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, I, I messed up. I messed up. I blame, my, I, blame, I blame myself. I was like, I know, I know, I know, Chris. I, I blame myself. But so in a moment of like true, just throwing caution to the wind, especially because I didn't really have time, you know, I, I put it on Chris. First of all, I write something really quick because here's the thing too. There's so much lore that we've developed in terms of the power struggles, in terms of the factions, in terms of the coalition. We created our own version of the emperor, for goodness sake, you know? And now you go in the comment section and people are referencing the premier and the Red Raiders and the Silver Legion division, which is Zane's uh, faction. It, that's, that's the coolest thing to us in terms of people are getting the world we're, we're setting up where it's not just my, my, maniacal like, oh, we're evil and this is good because, you yeah, bring them together, guys. There is a lot of grays. There's a lot of uh, ulterior motives. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of uh, intent. It's like there's, there's very little black and white in what we're mm-hmm. doing. There's a shitload of gray. So mm-hmm. when, um, where, where you look at it like, you know, well, these are the good guys. Well, yeah, but the people that they're going against, why are they not the good guys? They, guys have a, have a, they have a valid point to make, you know? Do you guys have a, a, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, just to toggle it back to uh, Fielding and that story real quick. So I quickly write up something that includes a lot more lore because I wanted to do it. I just didn't think I had time. But I was like, screw it. Let's see if we can make it work in a day. So in the opening narration of episode two, you're getting a lot more of the exposition and it's definitely derivative and derived of, I mean, what's Star Wars if not derived from Saturday, Saturday morning matinees where the opening crawl is absolutely the opening of like, last time you see our heroes in peril. Uh, Dudley Do, right, is there with his dog, you know, whatever. And same uh-huh. thing with like the Clone Wars cartoons where you're like, last week, Anakin Skywalker and Obi, General Obi-Wan Kenobi is about to fight yes. some, 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 you know, it's like that. So this is our version of it, but still simplified, but still serving the purpose. But I'm telling you right now, it's one of the best decisions that I'm glad we were able to get in. Because number one, Fielding's amazing. David is amazing. And he is our Zordon. And Zordon we trust. But also, <laughs> hearing that narration, people are using that dialogue and the dial- and, the, and the, the conversations in the episode. There's the casual fans who just want to see cool stuff. More power to you. That's great. But there's the ones who are really paying attention. And now they're seeing the story that we're trying to, to, to create and the world we're trying to create. So that's been one of the coolest things to me. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, in uh, one of my main notes that, that I may probably made more than once was, uh, I love how much you guys care. Um, so like, through like, like my, yeah, through like my geek life, um, you, know, you, you come across this actor or that, and not everybody's always into what you saw, like you were into it. And like, um, I talked to Chris at a Morphicon and like right away, man, you started going into like the, who owned the, uh, the previous morphers and i'm just like oh my god well thank you for i wondered myself and yeah it, that you guys are actual fans and, and giving back and like just can't help but create like this is uh it's really appreciated to me so oh uh, no uh, thank you yeah dj yeah. yes sir. um what is a body double and how are you the body yeah. double of dj uh no, did, not dj l cool j well the body double of dj because i was born in my okay uh, um <laughs> That's a, it's okay. So in uh, a little bit of pulling back the curtains in uh, Hollywood and film productions, there's different uh, levels of um, actor substitutions, whether it's, uh, I think the the obvious one is stunt double, you know, if an actor is not going to do it, they have somebody else in their likely, their likeness uh, perform it for them, you know, so they don't get hurt. So the other thing that's uh, a commonality in in Hollywood or in filmmaking and filmmaking in general is having second unit. And what second unit is, if first unit is the main principal actors, 
second unit is usually the uh, the backups and what doesn't have to be the eight. I don't want to call them the B team because that's not quite right, but it is basically well, they're doing it, the it, other. Uh, I mean, second 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 unit does usually do what's considered uh, B roll. Right. There's a roll, a roll, and B roll, and A roll is exactly what DJ saying. B roll is um, a lot of um, <clears throat> like uh, extras or um, would this be kind of like um, that, let's say an actress is on set, uh, the actor she's talking to might not be there at the time, therefore. So that's like that's what I'm getting. To. So that's what I'm getting to. So like uh, second unit stuff can use first unit people, but they do serve a very specific purpose while. Unit one gets the primary stuff. Unit, unit two gets the uh, the the side stuff or the stuff to finish it off or the stuff that to complete it. So being a body double, if in order to like, let's say Todd uh, L O Koja, let's say he's needed for unit one, they don't necessarily want to bother him to get these insert shots, especially if all you really need is from the neck down. You'll mm-hmm. get a body. You'll get a body double. That's what I do for him. So I've been doing his body. So I've been doing his body double stuff for NCSLA specifically uh, since the beginning of season one. And back when I actually had hair, uh, and you know anyone who knows me personally, they ask like, "Hey, did you shave your head just for?" I'm like, "No, I shaved my head because it was time. (laughs) (laughs) Time (laughs) because it was because life let me know." But no, so um, anytime you see him from the neck down, or you don't clearly see him. uh, in a clear juxtaposition to the the, the scene, it's probably me. Oh, huh. I uh, I don't know a lot about you, DJ, and I'm sorry because it's fun. Fi- oh, I'm not sorry. This is fun finding it out that yeah, apparently you're a director and a body double, and uh, yeah, I, I imagine you have some pretty fun stories to tell. But let's stick with uh, Bloodline the Grid. The other thing I wanted to ask about is. Um, props to my buddy uh, Richard Poilucci, I mm-hmm. think I said his name last, uh, his name right. Uh, Poilucci, he made yeah. you guys, yeah, he made you guys as uh, spiral sabers. Uh, him and who else uh, did you guys work with on creating your props, and what was that process like? Well, he made so he made this the the spiral saber that um, TK uses, and then the one that Andros uses is the spiral reaver. Mm-hmm. He made those. Um, but we also have, uh, our man, Daniel, who is our, our prop master and general all around wonderful guy and our, and our project manager. Yeah. He, but he made, um, uh, Patrick's the, the psycho, is it a psycho saber? What is it called? Uh, I'm going to go with the psycho sword, psycho sword. I don't know what it's called, but probably always always love that design. I'm sure a fan is like yelling at the screen. It's a saber. It's a saber. <laughs> Funny thing about this sword, it is the 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 worst put together sword. Not not what Daniel did, but I mean like the design. The design. Of it. The, design the design is is, is terrible because it's the bad. handle is just garbage. Because um, it it's wrapping around and makes it hard. to Because wield or something. yeah, it it makes it so hard to wield the damn thing. It's like it was it was done to look like that purely for aesthetic uh, reasons, but. Damn, it's such a bitch to use. So I want to also want to give a shout out to Ivan Gonzalez, who actually made the foam versions of our swords as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also a, a nerdbot friend and connection right there. Um, between all the props and stuff like that, and this is the reason why Chris calls me a bad man. It's like, unfortunately, or fortunately, better for worse, whatever. I'm involved in a, like every single department. So I am like Daniel. Hello? Yeah. Still here. 
Oh, okay. It got mad quiet. And I'm telling you right now, I've done this too many times this week where I'm just like, the phone the phone hung up, dude. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> uh, but no, so it is all the praise in the world for Daniel Castro overseeing as our prop master. Uh, definitely to Ivan Gonzalez with the uh, the foam sabers and things like that. Um, he also helped develop uh, some of the Crybot helmets. I did. I worked on a lot of the Crybot helmets and accessories myself. So little little bits and everywhere else like that. But it, that's definitely and and rich, of course, with the original uh, props with the, with the with the sabers. And let me tell you, man, seeing Chris coming back into the Andros role with a different type of saber. And dude, I don't care how long I've been friends with this man, dude. The moment he's just like, oh yeah, man, that's your saber. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, oh, well, it's your character saber now. I'm like, no, it's not, dude. That is Andros' saber, bro. Awesome. I still get that. Like, I mean, dude, this is the, the, the guy himself. I mean, bro, regardless of like the hats I'm wearing in this, man, I'm still a fan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, that we can see you're enjoying it actually does mean a lot. I think, well, at least to me, like as a fan, uh, you, you, it's I, I enjoy seeing you enjoy it because you're you're doing what I what a lot of us would wish we could experience and it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Like uh, I think I, I was gonna say like uh, sincerity goes a long way. Um, and I think that like uh, I was what, uh, when we go back to the prequels about like um, it's saving grace for me was that so after the disappointment of the sequels I went back to the prequels and I just like took a look at him and went through like a tour of it and then like listened to the commentary. Then like, there's like this one guy did like a documentation of a uh, documentary about like George's life throughout there. And like, when you see like the limitations and like um, flaws he has, and then he still pushed through and made those three movies, like even the flaws start to become beautiful and it's, it's endearing. like, yeah. yeah, it's his sincerity. Like he really cared, like whether he failed like the, uh, the romance scenes, um, whether he failed or not, when I found out that like he was trying to go for the old style uh, of 1940s romances, it's only failing. But like to me now, it's beautiful because I could see he loved it, just couldn't do it though. But like, yeah, and, and therefore, I, and, I, and I will take it. I will take the prequels any day of the week because it is from his heart. Regardless if like not enough people probably told him no, it still created a world that's undeniable. You know what I mean? Regardless of execution. There is something genuine about like having someone care about a property, you know, like Anakin Skywalker. It is the story of Anakin. It is about his descent. Now, regardless of the nitpicks we could have, it is still the story he wanted to tell. And that's beautiful. Um, the tagline of this podcast, uh, my friend uh, Boyd Cat, she said, uh, there's no substitute for genuinely giving a shit. And I yeah. love that. Yeah, that <laughs> that just kind of nailed it. Like, um, so because like going through my path of like denouncing George Lucas. I sat down with like a friend who's a director, a guy named John, John Humber. Uh, he made a movie called Dakota Sky, and it's amazing. Um, and like, so he knows his stuff. So like, we were we were sitting down one time, and he's like telling me about like how he sat down with George Lucas, and like this was in my era of like maybe George Lucas was always a faker. And he goes, "No, Keith, you're just actually wrong here. George Lucas really knows his shit." And like right. seeing it, like his um, at the time, I, like I trust him a lot, and like that made me like start to wonder like oh oh wait maybe there, i wonder if there's something i might be missing and then the sequels happen and oh god oh god we did need him i'm so sorry george we, we did need him <laughs> oh my god yeah like the, the 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 twist turnaround for me was like ha, ha, ha. see you later george lucas now give me the best star wars ever and like then like the the force awakens i was like thinking about it going oh, oh god okay 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 it wasn't it wasn't worse than the prequels right right keith right and I'm like, I don't think so. And then the last Jedi happened. 
And then, like, I just kind of saw, like, this the shadow of George Lucas just, like, emerged behind me going, uh-huh. Not so easy, is it, motherfucker? And, like, yeah. oh, my God, George, you're, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so. he gave you he, it gave you the Obama stare, like, what you <laughs> So, yeah. but no, so really quick. Um, so that was a fun lesson. I, fun is a word for it. But, like, like legitimately, I was caught up on the Star Wars hype train, and I remember leaving The Force Awakens going, okay, that was pretty solid, only to realize it really was just, uh, you know, A New Hope. But it's a re- yeah, it's a re- reboot of A New Hope. It's, yeah. a, it's a complete retelling. It's a deep, even. They took that idea, and they were like, okay, well, like we're going to do exactly the A New Hope, but we're just going to change up some of the characters and whatnot. Yeah, let we me let me do, copy let me copy hey, your homework. We change it up a little bit. Like, we, let me copy your homework. A, we should do a Star Wars uh, episode sometime. But like, yeah, I could I could go on. Um, but but I was but yeah. all I was going to say is like I was so caught up in the I was so caught up in the execution because actually out of the three of them, the Force Awakens is the best executed. It just says no, the absolutely. Pacing, the pacing yeah. is great. The cinematography is great. The quality is freaking fantastic. Uh, but I saw I saw the beginning of the end. I mean, reg- I mean, regardless, it is definitely the same story, and that's disappointing. But I remember what took me out of it. And yes, I'm saying this as a fan. I'm also saying this as a fan that happens to be of color. When oh, they made yes. Finn's character the janitor in Sanitation, oh I lost my shit, dude. Uh, okay, right that hurt my balls. While I, I could have accepted <laughs> the entire oh my movie God. as what it is in terms of a. Bla- a a blaze, uh, a blatant plagiarized, not inspired, not creative version of of a New Hope. But that alone, I'm like, did you really have to make the protagonist that defected from being a stormtrooper sanitations? Are you kidding me right now? What, what they did to Finn was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever experienced in cinematic history. I'm they not did him dirty. Like they did him so dirty. Like, they yeah, did. Go, him I dirty. go through all my life of like, uh, you know, like the black guy always gets treated like shit in movies, but like star Wars was different. Like this is where you don't do it. And then like, I was watching the production the entire way. And like, uh, before he was Finn, he was Sam and he was like a Han Solo type character. So like he had a boy and girl character that eventually would probably end up getting together. And they're both like adventures. So it's like, so when they finally cast the John Boyega, I was like, Holy shit. Oh my God. We get to have a black man actually get to be either Luke Skywalker or Han Solo. Like the world has changed. And right. then you see it, and he's neither, and they go all in on all the worst um, token black guy tropes, and I was just crestfallen, because I, I thought, like, best Star Wars movie of all time, and now that we've had Obama as president, I guess we get to see a black man get to be a star, and wow, and then, like, I chose to post on my Facebook, and, like, no one wanted to hear it. They wanted to explain to me why it was okay, or why it was excess, uh, sexist. Like, the what the the conversations that those movies started were just some of the freaking worst of experience. Um, but I will say my favorite one is Rise of Skywalker. Was it really? Um, so okay, like on a, like so eventually I, there's like a metal meta level I had to start to try to enjoy these sequels on. And the only thing good about the best thing about Sky, Rise of Skywalker is that it knows it's shit. Um, it makes no excuses. Like the bad wait, story. Wait, wait, what do you mean about knows it's uh, shit? I, I would oh, okay. love to know. No, oh, it knows that it is shit. Oh, like, oh. I, thought yeah. said, I thought you said it knows it's shit. I'm like, it's no, it's, no, 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 that good. I'm like, no, which no, one no. did you watch? Um, what I very much enjoyed it. was like all the way through it, like the bad storytelling. It stopped trying to hide that 
it was doing it, it, that it might be doing a good job. And then like even like the actors and directors when they do like an interview, like there's like this famous video where like someone goes, "Don't say any words, but tell us with your face how do you feel about Rise of Skywalker?" I saw they all that. just excruciating wincing faces and and like yeah, so the Force Awakens came out and like I'm positive there was like a psychological backlash of like Trump winning and people needing this to be their victory. Therefore, like if you don't like it, then you're an enemy and it causes the worst trend for these stations. And then like therefore, like people try to treat it as if it was better than it was, same with The Last Jedi. But the rise of Skywalker, it knew it was terrible. Everyone like no one made excuses for it. You could just speak honestly about it and there was like no like weird battles or backlash. So that's why I actually kind of enjoyed like me and my buddies were laughing all the way through it, going, Oh, thank you for just like admitting you guys just totally screwed the pooch on this. So yeah, that's my I mean, I could definitely go on and I definitely want to get back to bloodline, but unpopular yes. opinion. Unpopular opinion, like I still say um Force Awakens was the best executed. Like it it just is. It's a pretty it's a pretty movie. If I knew nothing else, I mean it's still like, you know what, as a Star Wars interpretation, it's solid, right? Minus whatever. They they screwed Finn, but they didn't screw him hard until later. Mm-hmm. I would I would I honestly think structurally the the, the Rise of Skywalker has cool stuff in it but it probably is like my least favorite and and in a weird twist of fate or a twist of whatever what i did i was with you like i remember leaving the last jedi and you know it's like even like the hype of the force awakens it came after the fact because it it took me to go okay the hype is gone how do i really feel i'm like "Eh, Mm. it's it's uninspired right the last jedi i remember specifically walking out that movie going that was trash Right, I I walked out fooling myself, saying because like I was a Ryan Johnson fan. Uh, since his like I, I was like a big movie snob uh, once upon a time, and I love like snobby filmmakers. And uh, Ryan Johnson appeared on the screen, so I I, I uh, followed all of his movies, listened to all of his commentary. So I was like, Last Jedi guys is going to be the greatest movie everybody's ever seen. Watch my boy Ryan Johnson do this, and that was not even a good Ryan Johnson movie. And like a lot of it didn't feel like it was him. So yeah, oh, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a Kathleen Kennedy movie for sure. But my point is, even though I left that movie going, okay, not trash in the sense of like, in, in a sense of like, yo, throw the whole garbage can away, just trash in terms of like, what did I just watch? Right. But looking now, now today years old DJ, it probably is probably one of the most Star Wars feeling. It, it, it actually is not as bad as I thought it was. It doesn't mean it was good. It also doesn't mean there's a lot of stuff I wouldn't do different. Uh, the whole thing on uh, uh, the, the, the casino planet was garbage. Um, there, there's a lot wrong with the movie. That made but me it, so uncomfortable because that's what you do to a character when you don't have anything planned. Right down to, uh, strangely enough, John Boyega's costumes were always recycled from somebody else. Um, yeah, from, for sure. But but also not only did they not only did they not achieve anything, they made the situation worse. But anyways, yep. I digress. But in terms yes. of taking the risk though, in terms of like leaning into Kylo Ren embracing himself as a bad guy. Like in other words, at least it was the most inspired at the time where the first one was a copycat, the sec- the third one was just like, hey, we got to wrap this up by any means. And the second to- one I saw ideas that didn't have execution by do want to get to bloodline still i got more questions <laughs> I, I will i will shut up i will shut up go ahead no 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 it's both it's all of us because like it's fun and i could i could go on but the, the other question i got is um the music holy hell that music was great uh well mixed uh well paced um i found myself like 
noticing that I'm like, you know, slowly bobbing my head to it and stuff. Like, oh, okay, like, who, who, how'd you find your music person? What was the music process like? Tone and whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Chris. Well, Chris, talk about some of your influences, man, and then I'll get I'll get props where I need to get props and talk about Devell. Well, I mean, Devell is our guy that did all the music, and you're the one that found him. So, oh yeah, sure. I guess I, I guess my point is like Chris has a has a, a very uh, diverse array of appreciation to music. Like he loves blues and things like that. But the one thing we both have in common is character and making sure it it. it pronounces what's happening on screen right, right. so it's mm-hmm. that in that's, a, that's a very star wars thing mm-hmm. exactly making sure thing. making sure that the, like the the music is its own character like if there's like three characters mm-hmm. in there's four characters because of the music so devel sullivan is this very talented musician um i want to say he's from the czech republic and um you know i do my thing in terms of sourcing um and you know um networking etc cetera, etc cetera. That, that's how i find most of my uh talents and our our crew and our, our our new family members and things like that and you know sometimes they work out bad, uh, great sometimes they don't work out whatever that's life now devel i got very i got very lucky in coming across he's not necessarily the biggest power ranger fan and that helps because he's going strictly off of instinct but he's very much an open sponge and a a, bl- um, a dry sponge in terms of being able to soak up uh, references and inspirations and things like that. Um, funny that enough, ending theme. Jesus, there's like a <laughs> there's like there, the, the, the the ending theme of in space, but like it's mm-hmm. different. Like goddamn, like it's okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And the thing about it is, uh, in terms of the process, I definitely do the thing where. I do try to at least, at the very least, without trying to, to micromanage, I do try to find at the very least, um, you know, whether it's through Spotify, um, YouTube, or whatever, man, I find pieces that kind of inspire me for that scene, and I might give that as a reference in addition to notes. So that's my process, right? And then um, send it over. Um, since we have the picture lock, obviously the picture needs to be locked in order for anybody to compose. It's not just about, Hey, a little bit of song here, a little bit of song there. Everything needs to flow naturally. And if you watch the episode, the opening scene is not the same as the, uh, the narration, the narration is not the same as the crybot sequence and even the chase versus the, the yep. fight. And then once Andros like arrives, like a badass. shout out to you, Chris. Um, it's a completely different feel of badassery and you know it's time to get get shit done same thing with i love like dude one of my favorite pieces is actually the training sequence with sam like it's a very tron like kind of synthetic sound but this dude did all of it and he can do fusion orchestra if he wanted to he can do retroactive if he wanted to and even the uh the morph sequence specifically, I'm like, okay, I need you to like not do anything that's longer than three seconds if you're going to pay reference to the theme songs. And I want you to change it up here, here, and then go off. And then there's certain, there's certain, um, nice. there's, uh, there's also certain pieces where I'm like, I don't know what I want here. Go have fun with it because I trust him. I legitimately trust him. Now, the the ending uh, credit song is uh, a, a, a song called Monster Inside. Yes, it's it's uh, developed by Devel Sullivan, uh, sang by Ryan Strain, and mm-hmm. dude, I gave him the uh, the free range in terms of inspiration. Which, of course, like, dude, I don't know about I can't speak for you, Keith, but Ron Weisman's like Power Rangers is like near and dear to me. I think it got a lot of the brothers in the hood into like rock and like and like um, and, and guitar. You know what I'm saying? And just just hey. like 
Yeah, I apologize to all of my loved ones that I forced that soundtrack onto on a regular basis in car rides. So yeah, yeah, that was so yeah. Favorite. So just guitar riffs in general and just going off. You know, what I mean, it made it made us love this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. having that, having that in there too, is just like was important. And then I said, like, if you can't sprinkle. The, the 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 sense of in space like just the theme song of in space in there just sprinkle it don't copy it don't just inspired by it put everything together that's where we got monster inside Devel sullivan he, he's the type of dude that would do this for free because he believes in our project so much that's the art that's the artist in him but i'm like no dude like we're still dropping a bag on you thank you very much but you're amazing I'll- the open uh, the ending theme actually sticks in my mind long after it's done. Like it's in my head right now. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, some straight fire right there. <laughs> no, Devel Sullivan, all him, amazing, talented guy that plays almost every instrument. Like Devel Sullivan, shout out to him. Um, Christopher, you worked with a Golden Girl. What? I did. Yes. Yeah. Many um, many, many years ago. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I uh, started clipping through Safe Harbor just to see what it was like. And um, what was uh, working with the Golden Girl like? What was? Well, it wasn't just that because um, on the on uh, Safe Harbor, it was um, it was Rue um, Blanche from the Golden Girls. And then it was uh, Gregory Harrison who was Trapper John. Um, oh my god! Yeah, um, I will say that. I had, I I had the greatest time working with Ruth. She was, she was a fucking doll. I love her. She was so sweet. She was so wonderful. And I remember I did a scene one day. Um, I, I cannot remember what it was, but she was there. She wasn't in the scene, but she was just on set watching. And, um, after we wrapped up the scene, she kind of pulled me aside and she said, you know, I wanted to tell you this. You really, really remind me of a young William Holden. And I was like, I have no idea who that is, but I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you so much, Rue. And, and she did, of course, she did mean that as a compliment. William Holden was an actor many, many decades ago. Yeah, looking um, him up, he looks like he's a legend. Very, very well-respected actor and all that. And uh, she, she just, she was so wonderful. And she had such wonderful stories about Betty White. Oh, man. And her, and her very filthy mouth. <laughs> cool um and would you say the feel of being on doing safe harbor versus power rangers like was safe harbor like almost like vacation since you didn't have to do triple kicks and backflips and which yeah like what was it like um, the comparison between the two i mean yeah it's it's well it's uh shorter hours and way more pay <laughs> And, cool. um, and yeah, I'm not like killing myself working out with stuntmen and, uh, <laughs> coming home broken and bloody <laughs> and all that every day. So yeah, it was, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot more focus on the acting in it. Um, you know, Power Rangers is, you know, all right, guys, ready, ready, ready. That's, that's a whole scene. That's a, because the next thing you know, you got like two minutes of five different people transforming in which this is all time that the bad guys can be shooting them and <laughs> winning the fight. But you know, hey, Ruining whatever. <laughs> yeah, but still I'm in it for the win. So if somebody starts to transform into a power ranger in front of me and I have a gun, I'm shooting them immediately. I'm not letting them finish their sentence. That's welcome. Just like the welcome. red Raider would do. Yeah, exactly. Well, welcome. Welcome to the creative process as far as Chris and I, and that's the good thing because we actually balance each other's equations where he's just like, we should do this. But what about this? All right, we'll meet in the middle. 
I've watched fact, you guys on a couple podcasts, and I really do enjoy you guys' uh, chemistry. You guys are a lot of fun. I'm glad that you guys, <laughs> you know, found each other so that you can create stuff that like brings a lot of joy to these fan, uh, fans. Um, and I got one other Chris question for Chris uh, that uh, um, you survived a poisonous snake bite. Why were you a little child near a poisonous snake? <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait! What did I miss? Uh, yeah, uh, there was like yeah. a random thing that he said. Uh, you were you were interviewing him, and he said this randomly. And I was like, "Wait, what? How would that situation even happen?" Okay, so this I can't remember how old I was. I think I was like uh, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Uh, I lived in Virginia Beach at the time, and um, <clears throat> in the neighborhood, um, I don't know. Somebody, I guess, ran over a snake. Uh, they ran over his tail. And a bunch of kids, like, they, they saw it and, um, uh, they, like, it was, they had, like, got it, they picked it up with a branch or something like that. And it just wasn't moving. It was just, like, you know, just there, floppy and all that. So, um, they were showing it to me and I was like, oh, wow, that's really, that's really cool, you know? And it fell. And then, genius that I am, I reached down to pick it up and it was not dead. It was very much alive and it lunged forward and it got, you know, the, the, like the, the fleshy part of your hand, like between your, your uh, thumb and then your, your first finger. Um, yes. I yeah, have experienced yeah. this wound from a cat once. Well, this thing, this snake bit me there and it got its fangs right through that. And it got stuck on my hand for a few moments and I'm shaking this bastard off of me like crazy. And finally it came off. And when it came off of my hand, it started just puking up venom. It was just like, yeah, it was like tons of venom. Um, it was, uh, I think it was a copperhead. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. And it just, I just kind of like, you know, when I saw that and I saw this, like just this pile of venom on the ground, I was like, Oh shit. That was, that was kind of close. <laughs> I am glad you're still with us. That does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a throwaway. Well, like you just said, like, yeah, I, I almost got by a bit with a poison stick. Like, wait, 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 wait. So many yeah. questions. <laughs> that, that, was, was, uh, yeah. that was the most great story I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> DJ, oh, or, uh, uh, this, uh, question for both of you, but, uh, first DJ, uh, both of you guys, martial art backgrounds, DJ, do you have a training? Cause, uh, some of the moves I was watching, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Like, do you train or do you just train for that scene? Uh, grew up boxing, Taekwondo and Muay Thai. Cool. And then Chris, I did Jido Kwan, uh, Jido Kwan style Taekwondo before I did Power Rangers, but I learned probably 10 times more. Uh, just from the stuntmen working out with them and letting them beat the shit out of me constantly. Cool. Oh. cool. And then let's see. Um, uh, and I, I, we don't have to go for too much longer. Like if, if you guys feel free, let me know when you guys are getting tired and need to go, but I have a few yep. more questions. Um, one of them is like the birth of like creativity, such as like um, there's two questions. One of them is going to be like asking what were your play patterns? Like when you were a kid, then the next one is like, what would you say is like your greatest inspiration to create stories? So first one is like, uh, DJ, what was your play patterns? Like, did you action figures? Were you creating stories? Were you recreating scenes? Were you just making like dioramas? What did you do as a kid? What was your thing? Dang. Shout out to you for like yeah. 
directly original question I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I mean that. Um, um yeah, I, was, like, uh, I just want to say really quickly, the reason this came up was like, it's part of like the Star Wars thing, like all these weird conversations I have, like how bad it was. I was like saying like, so wait, what background did they come from where they don't see it? Such as like these people that really did love it. When they played with their Star Wars toys, all they would do is try to recreate exactly what they saw. So the Fork Awakens doing exactly what they saw is just like, well, that's just what Star Wars is. So what was sure. it like when you were a kid? Uh, for me, I was definitely a big action figure kid. Uh, Ninja Turtles was definitely in my life. Uh, maybe like X-Men figures, things like that. And I was always the kid where... I don't know, maybe it's like a testament to me being half Asian and my mom being Filipino. It was crazy. Uh, but I was I would always keep it organized and structured. So when I had my toys, um, it's not like they were just like in one big uh, toy box or anything. Like I tend to have them in a very, very specific diorama. I remember back in the day, um, there used to be like this Ninja Turtle sewer playset, And I used to have like all my characters in very specific uh, positions, or at least I would put them in very specific poses and things like that. But when I used to play... I mean, of course, I took the the characterizations from the TV show and then let the imaginations kind of kind of go go mm. up in that direction. Um, and I feel like that definitely had a impact on my creative process. Um, that sewer that sewer set is amazing, by the way. Oh yeah, so you, you, yeah, you get it. So back that was back in the day where they gave a crap, right? Mm-hmm. So so just accessories and accessorizing, and you know, I mean, as an adult looking back, you know, you see the commercialism about it, but it still did give like the freedom of, okay, we're gonna get into this vehicle and then go over here, but this personality would do this and this personality would do that. So absolutely, playing with cool, figures, dude. coming up with uh, scenarios in my head and, and storylines in my head was definitely present. What was the second question? Sorry. Um. Uh, first, I want to go to Chris and ask him the same question. The second question is going to be, uh, who would like your some of your big, biggest inspirations to uh, create stories? Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Chris, though, what was your story? What was your childhood like? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I was, you know, I was a kid in the eighties, and um, so we had like all the best cartoons and shit like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, but also like the the second movie that I ever saw in a movie theater was um return of the jedi um that that like just enraptured me with star wars that was that that was like it for me after i saw return of the jedi like you know i went and saw that with my um uh with my cousins and they told me like you know years later they were like yeah when you were watching that like you your eyes were like as big as dinner plates your jaw was wide open and shit and you were just like like because everybody is real you know mm-hmm. job of that he's real it's not a couple of guys in the suit chewbacca that's a real guy uh all the ewoks they're real um so i had like tons and tons and tons of star wars action figures um but again also you know kid in the 80s so i had like a million G.I. Joe characters and um, uh, a lot of uh, Transformers. So for me, it was like, let's put say, them all together. Let's, would, let's, let's have everybody it, fight each other or something. There we go. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, it was, you know, how, how well does G.I. Joe stack up against Transformers? And the short answer is not well. <laughs> <laughs> the Transformers will kick their asses. Um, yeah, I, uh, real quick, like, don't ask me. No, that's okay. I'm just saying really quickly, my, 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 my start was also same as both of you guys. Uh, when it came to, I was, was child of the eighties and like my toys were props so that like, 
I would never actually use like He Man as He Man. He Man was usually like me as a barbarian. And then like you'd I they they they'd take on certain roles. So like they're rarely ever actually Galvatron or Hot Rod and Yeah, uh the the creation process um ah, I'm I'm losing my train of thought. Which is like I was just saying like how wondering like the way we played is how we end up creating. So yeah, and then also seeing like the the starship scene, the set that actually felt like um, when I was a kid, how we would repurpose like a porch or or bedroom and turn it into a starship. And I was loving all the interaction that was going in on that. How long did it take to create <laughs> the starship set, and how much well, fun was that? Well, did you want the influence, or you want that question? Which one you want to? Oh, Frel. Okay, let me go for influences first, and then starshipping. Okay. Uh, Oh, your show, man. I'm just, I'm just here for the ride. No, no, please. <laughs> uh, but no, as far as influences, man, like, um, shoot, I think the cool thing about our family is no matter what, we're all nerds about something, man. And I think a lot of us do love, like Chris and I love Dragon Ball Z for sure. Like we mm-hmm. love Dragon Ball Z. Um, I don't think we, we intentionally go into anything like, Hey, let's make it, let's definitely make it Gohan and Piccolo. But we definitely can appreciate like, oh, we actually do have that kind of dynamic. Like, I don't think we do anything so derived to where it's just like, we need to make it exactly like this. But the influence about the things that we like is definitely present. So anime, for sure. Uh, Cartoons and 80s cartoons, for sure. Uh, Shooting style wise, I am a fan of, you know, uh, Edgar Wright and uh, J.J. Abrams' eyes is amazing to me. Like, systematically I love his shooting style, regardless if you are a fan of his movies or not, and if he's notoriously known for lens flares or not, I do think he has a very, very specific talent of keeping things alive and interesting, even if it's uh, a, a, a conversation piece. If you notice in Bloodline, there's several, and again, there's nothing, there's no quote unquote right way uh, to, to filmmake. That's the reason why it's filmmaking. Now, I think the one rule that you don't break is like the 180 rule. Like, other than that, you know, try to be technically savvy. But like, for instance, there's several scenes of Bloodline where there's a conversation, but the camera's still moving the entire time. Like small little orbits and small little breathing uh, exposition and composition like that takes a scene that's just like, hey, a camera's on a tripod and people are talking and turns it into a group dialogue. And I think it's always... uh, and and I'll say this with Chris, I think we successfully had a scene where there was like about five people and it did feel like it was a giant room of, uh, you know, of a conversation that kept on going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> including two shots like that that I love so much. There, there's like an opening with you, uh, Chris and Patrick, where the camera like organically moves. You, you can barely tell that it's happening all in one shot, but one person talks and like the blocking works so that someone's naturally in the center of the shot and it was fantastically done. Oh, oh the, the question on that was, um, was that you? Was that the DP? And then also, did you guys figure it out ahead of time? Or is this like a, a thing that you like troubleshot when you were doing the scene? Um, I definitely have a shot list in mind. Mm-hmm. It's also a credit to the DPs as well to bring that vision to life. So... The way, I, the way I would answer it is no matter what, it's the DP, because you could have all the ideas in the world, but if they're not capturing it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? But in terms of positioning, in terms of uh, uh, composition, I have that all in mind. 
Now, we don't have the luxury, especially because, you know, um, the pandemic was a thing or is a thing or that happened. So we don't necessarily have all the uh, the ability to be able to be like, hey, we're going to meet on this night and this night and this night just to shoot. As much as I would love for it to be like a full-time job for all of us, we're all doing this, uh, making the time out of our, our schedules and our lives and our different uh, uh, obligations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is happening the day of, and we're doing our best to, you know, acclimate my, my shot list. And like, for instance, I'm absolutely doing the thing with my hands, holding up the two fingers and the, the L, the L sign acting like a camera. And I'm showing them, Hey, I want to start from a down up position. Well, let's use the 10 millimeter, uh, bring it up this way. And I want you to rotate. And this entire time I want you to orbit. So, it would be great to have rehearsal days. It would be great to have, uh, it'd be great to have like rehearsal shoot days, but it is actually a testament to our, our DPs, uh, which is Ace and Rose and, uh, Shelton Perry. Um, and they, they all bring something very unique to the table. Even, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Swanson did, uh, uh like, uh, second unit stuff for us. And even John Tiang, our, our coordinator definitely did second unit stuff for the, the action stuff. So being able to utilize their strengths and in a very specific way, I felt like we, we, we had certain scenes that we were able to keep not boring. And I'm very thankful to, to be able to work with these individuals because, again, we're doing this. We're, even though I, I could have everything ready, ha- they have to adjust to it the day of, for sure. Mm-hmm. This sounds like so much fun. And, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Okay, and then, Chris, uh, well, who would you say is your basic, biggest influences for being creative? Oh God, man! I don't know. Uh, as a kid, I was like, Star Wars. I was always, uh, Star I was, Wars. huh? Star Wars and Star Wars and then Star, Star Wars. Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, Mister Star Wars. That was my uh, biggest influence, <laughs> Mister Star Wars. Um, uh, I started writing when I was a kid. Like I was like uh, twelve years old, and um, I <laughs> excuse me. I um, I don't know. I the two of my. Uh, Two of the biggest things that were influences for me as far as books go, um, they were both the uh, Alice's Adventures and Wonderland series, that that one and uh, Through the Looking Glass, so Lewis Carroll. Um, the writing in it was fantastic to me. And then I also really liked the artwork in it, too, um, because it was so not childish. It was very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked that. Um, and then I also, uh, as far as like a writer goes... Um, I loved uh, Robert Frost's um, poetry. I, uh, I I thought that it also had a very uh, kind of a bleak. I mean, that obviously more than Lewis Carroll stuff. It had more of a bleak look to it. But I mean, even if you look at uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, it's like this shit gets dark. Um, cool. So I don't know. That's that's probably good for me as far as writing goes and all that. Um, I'm not as much of a filmmaker as DJ is. He definitely knows his shit i <laughs> definitely know shit about it so. <laughs> I, I, I it seems like uh together you guys know your shit so it's together we make combination <laughs> and that's like 90 percent him all right but i also want to i mean not yeah. to take too much time it's just that dude it is like when i say things like i'm grateful to work with chris like it's not as like hey look i get to do power rangers like working with him is actually <laughs> such it is such a creative uh, uh, freedom because like there was, a, I mean, there's a certain amount of trust that you, you kind of give to each position, right? I mean, we're co we're, we're co-creators, we're co-writers, we're co- but like giving your baby 
in and in, in care uh, to other individuals takes a certain amount of trust and vice versa. There's several scenes throughout our process that did not start the way we like, like case in point, Chris coming in and a bolt of lightning was, oh, a re- yeah. was a revision the day of yeah, like little things like that. Uh, if you want to talk about this, uh, the, the red psycho sword slash saber being a pain in the ass. The reason why we said that is because the day of the handle broke. <laughs> oh, yep. Whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. So not um, to do too much BTS, but like, uh, I'm sorry. I love BTS. Uh, and then like, also like the, uh, thing that makes comes to mind is like, um, the lightning bolt seems completely natural. What else would he have done? What's um, supposed to be done? No, that's, that's more than fair, but here's the thing. It was going to be a lot more simplified. Okay. So my biggest thing is in episode one, teach, Shut up, computer. The the thing is, uh, TK in episode one comes in um, teleporting. You know, a very simple effect, but you know, very indicative of Star Trek and uh, Turbo teleporting. You know, but, but modernized. I was afraid to repeat that, so I didn't necessarily want Chris to come in teleporting. But you know, the end result is like, no, that is way more than teleporting. He comes in like a freaking nature, right? But yeah. the original concept was we were going to do uh, a creative shot where we look up. You see the astral glider fly by, and then you see him oh. jump all the way down and land. It That's still rad. It still would have been badass. It still would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been Chris coming in in a bolt of lightning, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the lightning is I, far more um, yeah. visual storytelling. I like the lightning more than the galaxy glider. The galaxy <laughs> glider. I, I, I love the galaxy glider a lot. I, I think I like it. I like it better, but um, for what you guys are doing, this is the better call. Like, yeah, sure. Like the galaxy glider, I think would have been like, Oh yeah, that's what he does. But this uh, adds to your imagination where you start, have to start asking more questions. Like what's going on with Andrew. So well done. But, it, but it's all, but it's also a form of, like you said, storytelling. It does give a little bit more. There's, there's, I could probably say like almost everything in this episode can, can be utilized as something that enhances the plot. I can honestly say that. Uh, to the point where if you go to the comment section now, which thank God they're back up, we could talk about that some other day. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, yeah. was a good, there was a good five days where the comments uh, unfortunately had to be disabled by YouTube. But it's, it's fixed now, not to, not to segue. But people in the comment section are having dialogue about the little story points and not to the point yeah. where they're talking about the crybots. They're literally talking about the henchmen that you usually do not give a crap about. And Lines like, oh, the Crybots have GE. They have great energy. They were, yes. able, to, they were able to deflect certain uh, attacks because, oh, and all of a sudden, and also lines like, oh, since when can you guys fight? People are putting two and two together. This is like, yeah, that, that line makes so much sense because all of a sudden you, you have great energy. You're all, you're all of a sudden a martial art, you know, stuff like that. So the, the Galaxy Glider part would have been cool and we would have done it in a cool way. You know, very akin to like Common Rider. They have very specific ways as far as having you know people in suits fly crazy. But this gives you like okay, once you get the Ecliptor reveal, Ecliptor through lightning all the time. Even little nods yeah. like if you pay, uh, if you go back, uh, Keith. I mean, since you missed it the first time of him <laughs> being done. No, mm-hmm. but like even the way he throws his lightning. Go back yeah. to the way Ecliptor throws his attacks and his lightning attacks. He does a very specific hand gesture in front of his face. And oh, then throws it. Yes, Fritz does that in this episode yep. and in the first episode, and everything in his powers is his power scaling is a reflection of his transformation of Ecliptor. And that's the other thing we're trying to do with this narrative too is kind of uh, create that world building of power scaling. We acknowledge that Chris is a level six ranger, and there's only 
rare individuals to even meet that type of stuff. And that's definitely an influence of like X-Men and like Omega-5 mutants and blah, 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 blah. And at this point, Andros is at a certain level of the grid energy and as a fighter that there's not a lot of people who can mess with him. That doesn't mean there's no threat. That doesn't mean there's no threat to him. And it doesn't mean there's no connection. So he does still have a connection to the grid and he still is a ranger. Bloodline of the grid, babe. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) <laughs> no, my, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously. No, but no, yeah, no, there, there is a there is a very specific uh, backstory which we would love to flesh out much later. Uh, Chris has an amazing story to tell about uh, Eclipser's uh, transformation, but he is definitely still connected to the grid, and we wanted to do more than just like you said, uh, just transform Andros just for the sake of transforming him. He absolutely has a significant connection to the grid. He has him and Caron both. But specifically, Andros has a very specific relationship to the grid, which means Ecliptor has a very specific relationship to the grid. Now, how did how did Ecliptor transform from that connection to the grid to Ecliptor to producing uh, Andros and Corone? You just have to wait and see. Oh yeah, I'm in. Um, <laughs> hopefully, also, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I explained that right, Chris. Mm-hmm. You do. Uh, let's see, Chris. Uh, <laughs> The planet Onyx, you guys were had like a Q&A session, and you didn't know where Onyx was? Do you know where it is now? Not off the top of my head. That's okay, <laughs> yeah, because like, I was like thinking, because like, it's one of my favorite planets in Power Rangers in space, and then it hit me like how no one in the show actually ever says that, I don't think. So, it's the cowboy planet, and I oh. love... Oh. I've watched that episode several times. Yeah. I think it's like the Delta Discovery, where... No, Andros the, does the cloak and fights in the cowboy. That's, that's Flashes of Dark Honda. Flashes of Dark Honda. That was because yeah. that's my favorite episode because that's the one where we totally ripped off the Star Wars Cantina. Oh, yep. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the Mos Eisley one. Yeah. The, there, there's like a sword that you grab from one of the, uh, the bad guys there. I love that sword so much. Yeah. I, I, have, <laughs> I have looked at it. I have watched that episode so many times. Like, it's always fun to me when like a hero picks up not his signature weapon. It's always fun to watch. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I think I have a few more questions. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me let yeah. me get this straight. So they didn't say the word Onyx, but it's known as Planet Onyx. Um, like when you uh the 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 voiceover guy would say on Planet Onyx. Oh, got it. But no one like you know Andrus was never saying so. I'm on Onyx right now. Got it. Um. Oh, can I just can I just mention like another quick BTS in terms of like freak accidents, and that was kind of the point oh, of like of our collaborative thing. <laughs> so the feedback and changes on set um, have been some of the best accidents, and the reason why I'm so appreciative of Chris is because we do we are able to kind of on the fly come up with certain things, and it is a testament of our relationship. And I appreciate, dude. Thank you so much, Keith, and everybody else. Like one of the biggest compliments as well is people really appreciating the the dynamics with the characters and i love we love banter we love uh storytelling and still be able to convey you know uh characterization and like case in point bts wise like i like the 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 psycho red sword had broke and the original concept of the uh andros and virgil clash was actually supposed to be a sword fight yeah like literally the 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 power being (laughs) with the lightning was supposed to be a sword fight. That was never supposed to happen. But the yeah, sword, the, the, the right, handle just, like the handle broke um, that day, and uh, and then uh, Daniel worked his ass off to get it back together, and uh, he did a beautiful job. But it was just not going to be ready to you know do anything with it. Um, it, it wasn't worth the risk for that. Yeah, it wasn't so worth we, the risk. Yeah, so it was like it was a very quick 
you know, on the fly decision that, you know, uh, well, Andros does lightning now, so <laughs> let's do something with that because we ain't using the swords. There's been so many conversations where I'll be like, Chris, sidebar, and then like the crew and everything, but chilling out or waiting on what we're about to do. And I was like, my biggest concern was I didn't want to have to worry about the handle because everything we execute so far, we want the standards. We want to be able to do it and not have to worry. Uh, so it was literally sidebars like, hey, dude, what do you, what do you think about this, this idea? Soccer Rangers do lightning, you do lightning, quick beam struggle, still conveys the same thing. And also, I think we're going pretty long in the fight anyways, but it also, whatever. And then bam, 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 ready, break. Okay, guys, you know that entire fight sequence we're about to do? Yeah, we're not doing that. All right, so we're about to we're about to Dragon Ball Z the shit out of this. <laughs> yep, awesome. <laughs> and then um, even like certain dialogues where we knew there was something like again, where's I wear a lot of hats. Chris is you know Chris is always busy that kind of stuff. So sometimes there's certain dialogues we would come up with on the fly. Uh, case in point, <laughs> been, there's been some. Oh, Patrick's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah we can talk about Patrick's too. But like one of the big like this has been commented on, so I appreciate it. But like. Even the dialogue between TK and Andros where uh, we're like, okay, so what's the plan? And, and Andros is like, kill them all. Like, <laughs> that was so improv. Like, yeah. All of that was so improv because we didn't know exactly what we wanted to say. I, 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 had, I had like a brief outline. I'm like, what if I say this? And you say this. You say this. So what would you say back? Oh, I would just say kill them all. Okay, great. Action. <laughs> it it <Yeah>. works. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, just, I get excited about the, the BTS and changes. But anyways, it's a testament. Yeah, this is why this is what I'm here for. Um, a question. Um, let's see. There was one shot of the crybots that looked grainy, as if it was mimicking Sentai footage. Was I seeing things, or did you do that purpose? I'm gonna say you were seeing things. Damn it! Yeah. God. The, yeah. Okay. There's one other person. Like I was watching this other person who uh, was watching the episode, and he also saw it too. Like there's like a shot like where like it was just me though. Never mind. Like. I was. I thought you were doing homage, which I was like. Oh, uh, listen, cool. as much as, as much as I would love to take credit for things, uh, I can't say that. I, 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 okay. I, we, I can't say we deserve credit on that one. Gotcha, if, that, gotcha. if that happened, then that was uh, unintentional. Um, I don't remember there being a grainy shot, but I mean, it, the, I, the color grading looks like a a, a tat a tad a tiny different than everything okay. else. For like when you you see them saying next to each other, and then mm. to me, for me, it was like, oh, cool, kind of like. When you switch to Sentai footage, but it was just me. So, uh, so cool. it was it was not done intentionally, but uh, hey, if that's the way it was going to be taken, then great, go for you. yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it made me smile. It, yeah. it lit a, a star in my heart. So, oh, oh well, I'm sorry that we didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> um, I think I've got almost everything. Is there anything you guys uh, wanted to touch on that uh, I haven't gotten to yet? Uh Mainly just the unsung heroes of the of the project. We met, we mentioned yeah. Daniel, uh, yeah. Daniel Castro um, as as we mentioned our project manager. Also Brandon Hosang, uh, who assisted with sound and lights as well as well as well as equipment. We call him A Team Band because he has like an A Team Band of just all the all the things. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, definitely uh, Jerry Cotto, who's our co producer. Uh, obviously uh, Colin in Urban Studios. Um, also. Um, uh Mohammed who also assisted with effects, uh Drew, um all of John Tiang and the stunt guys have been fantastic. Of course the cast and crew. Uh blessings to Justin Nemo, uh Roger Velasco, uh Rory Travis, 
uh, Christina Ho, all just being so down for the cause and all the other Rangers who want to work with us now. And that's, that's amazing. And just the Ranger family in general, and also just the fans, man, like the reception has been very overwhelming. Um, I mean, if we do have, like, since we, since you've gotten a lot of your questions out, like I'll go into this like a little bit. I, I try not to take too much time, but what happened was with YouTube, the algorithm was going great. Our reception is going great. We released it on a Tuesday that we had planned for. We It's right on schedule. And then literally a day, day and a half later, YouTube marks it for kids. At, t- at the date of today's recording, it's, uh, it's been lifted, so everything is good and fine. So fast forward to, to that end. But for, for the entire week, nobody's been able to leave comments. And as soon as it got lifted again, people rushed back just to kind of talk about it more and, and, and have the discussion more. So we can't be any more proud and thankful for people paying attention and caring this much about what we're doing uh, because none of us are getting rich off of this and we all, we all are doing it because it's, it's something we would love to see happen. And we're hoping that everyone likes it as well. Okay. And also on my end and uh, on my end, and I keep saying this throughout the the podcast is because I, I feel like I really mean this and I, I it's just so valuable to me working with Chris specifically has been such a fantastic experience because again, I was the fan first, turned friend, and then put in a position where there's a lot of trust being given. And I always use this metaphor all the time. It's like, let's just say five guys trying to pick up a girl. They're all dressed the same, same dialogue, what have you. But their personalities are themselves. So that's, that's good. Person number one, uh, you're not my type. Person number two, you're a little bit too nice. Person number three, stranger danger. Person number four, Ah, God, there's something about you. And then the, uh, person number five, again, same dialogue, same attire, but there's something about that connection that makes it work. There's something about that relationship, that, that undefined it, that makes that, that makes that relationship work. And that's what Chris and I have. We bring a little bit something different to the table where like, Chris has a very specific story to tell, and that's important to me. My element is also world building and connecting it to what we love, which is Power Rangers. And Chris is one of the biggest proponents to his fans. Like, I love the way he interacts with his fans. And he loves, he loves doing this for the fans. I mean, again, this is a very popular character that, that was introduced in Power Rangers. Good, so I appreciate it more. It's just, it's just a humbling experience to be able to, 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 to work with him. So that's all I have to say. And if there's you anybody else, it, dude. To, you very much anybody, earned it. So God bless you. I'm glad yeah. you got there and that you guys made. Once again, um, what I see on screen is wish fulfillment of fans, and like you guys are just, yeah, giving back. So it's been a lot of fun to watch and watch you guys create a process. I am thankful for you guys talking to me at all. And then, oh, the, the one last question. Well, real quick, uh, real quick. Like, I don't, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. want that to be all about me, man. I'm Chris, no, no, please. Like, I didn't want that to be just mine. I was just going to go me and you, but Chris, please. If, if there's anything you want to say, shut it out. Please. You made me blush. Shut up. <laughs> all right, thank you. <laughs> um the, the i'm going to say I'll, I'll say the last question that would be um what was the how did carlos get um added like what was the process when did that happen was that last <laughs> second was this also an accident or planned or because like it's yeah it's fun to see him as a bounty hunter <laughs> yeah um you know it's a funny thing dj and i have a uh, we have a thing that we say particularly about um bloodline all the time um fans ask something they want something whatever we always come back to them with um we'll do something if it makes sense you know if we can make it work and if it makes sense then you know we'll give it a go um 
we kind of felt like this would make sense as a natural progression for uh, Carlos. Um, you know, some guy who is stuck out in space. He doesn't know what to do with his life, whatever, yada, yada. Um, and that was also, uh, I guess, kind of another one of our happy little accidents with uh, with getting him on board like we did with Patrick, with the... Uh, what we did with um, with uh, Dave doing the narration and all that, um, we we definitely like immediately the idea was <clears throat> he's the Mandalorian. We're gonna make him the Mandalorian. Screw Hell it. yeah! I, so, I don't know if it's immediate, but once we hit the Mandalorian, pretty, we were like, yeah, yes. yeah, it, yeah. It, it it definitely fell into place. It it, it like once that was brought up. <clears throat> that that's what uh that's what we kind of wanted for the character it was like yeah you know what now this makes a lot of sense and now we got a guy who's like you know who's bounty huntery. so i don't know uh, cool yeah i was just about to say it's, it's interesting the way you package that keith because like it was it really was everything you said like it was planned but it was an accident but it was also very specific but it was also subject to change um one of one of many discussions as far as bloodline is like of course, we're exploring characters that we love, but also, again, one of the biggest beauty, I feel like, of Bloodline and the extended universe in general is you get, you're getting to see these rangers interact that you probably will not get to see interact in person. Uh, outside of the show, um, in the show, I mean. Like, having Rory, and I'll get back to, to yes. in a minute, but having Rory, having, like, literally Devins interact, interact with uh, Andros is amazing to me. Yes, it is. And and even like having Christina, even though Christina's part of Beast Morphers, her her inclusions did serve a very specific plot. You know what I mean? And 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 and, um, and narration because she is the daughter of the general, and of course she brings a certain uh, element of uh, of humor as well as. And Christina's a fantastic fantastic actor. She actually hit you a few times. <laughs> <laughs> that was I loved I loved you guys' interaction. That was a lot of fun to watch. And then I I, I, I suspected that you guys just wouldn't be able to help yourselves from actually just actually letting her hit you. So I was just wondering. If you <laughs> oh, I mean, eventually it became like, we can't do this while stage straight face. So we'll try to make adjustments, <laughs> but, but also she, but also she's, a, she's really sweet. And she just is like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm like, you're fine. Yes. And mind, mind you, I'm all of like six, six, one. And she's like all of five, five, negative two. <laughs> um, yeah. So the height difference, we didn't even bother apple boxing her. We're just like, we're going to keep what it is. We're just, you're, you're short. You're just short. Cool. Uh, but anyways, getting back to Roger, um, we did know we wanted to, every single character we introduced, we want to make sure it's a, pro- a progression in character, not a regression of character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Andros is in a, a, a Hello? What? Uh-oh. DJ. Oh, no. We lost is, him. Oh, there he is. is. Yeah. yeah sorry about Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I had a call. My bad. So, uh, as far as uh, as far as Roger, we always wanted the, uh, to to end the episode on a cliffhanger. As far as us getting attacked, and then um, as far as the conversation, like Roger, awesome dude. He had one request slash demand uh, with his involvement, which he he was always down for, which was make me a badass. Cool. And again, our response is, we'll try to make it make sense, and if we're able to, great. But as Again. Oh, hello. Yeah. Someone keeps trying to call me and I'm trying to keep denying them. Um, but yeah, so as the conversation kept going on, it was more like availability that the stars aligned where, and even like the, the future progression that we can't 
talk about yet. Mm-hmm. You're going to see some really cool things as far as, oh, so that's what Carlos has been up to. So no matter who we oh. incorporate, whether it's from the same season, different seasons, and I, I love seeing the different seasons interact. I love seeing Devin's, uh, uh, Devin uh, have a conversation with uh, Andros and Cycle Red. And I love the fact that there is that world build in terms of even their incorporation of the, uh, the grid battle force is very specific. I don't know. Man. Yeah, yeah. You guys are using uh, government sponsored Rangers. Is that intentional? Oh, very much so. We're we're yeah, building that yes. world, which is why, which is why, like, even that line as far as you know, government sanctioned Rangers isn't anything new. That's a very existing kind of thing. Not everything is always magic and 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 relic. Right. Like, yeah, I was thinking how it's kind of fun to even think about it like that, like factions of Rangers, government, Dino Ninjas. Uh, maybe car rangers even. So that was a, a fun fun thing to drop that like makes the world building start to unfold and take place in your mind when like you just hear like a small line like that. So loved it. Yeah. Does, does Carlos ship have a name? I'm sorry. Uh Carlos's ship, does it have a name? Oh, does Carlos's ship have a name? I think we were thinking about Night Lancer and I the only reason why we we thought the only reason why we uh, even thought about that is because it's like a, a nod to his uh his in space weapon. Nice. Great name. All right. Yeah, I love how you guys geek. I I love that you guys care. It's always fun to listen to you guys and I'm I'm glad to have you on. All right. Um yeah, I think that's going to be it. Uh do you have like yeah, anything else we should be touching on? Uh, DJ, do you want to say anything? Uh, I'm more, just, more, 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 more. No, 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 Chris, you take over, man. I'll go last, I guess. Oh, I'm just going to plug. Um, I live stream all the time, so I would love it yep. if everybody could check that out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like at the very end, on... we say, where do you find more of you on the internet? Oh, okay. I thought that's what we were getting at. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if we're not doing that yet, then I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, will, I will say this. Like, I just want to. I do want to thank everyone for um, being so receptive to something that is a passion project for us. You know what I mean? Um, there's yeah. been many Ranger-related projects in the past. Um, some that we see see the light of day, others that never see the light of day. And the fan base has been very, very receptive to our our story that we're trying to tell, and and, and the progression of these char- characters that we're we're trying to to share with you guys. And um, you know. This wouldn't be possible without the help, and we may need help in the future, but just the continued support uh, uh, and, uh, keeps us wanting to make more for you guys, so we, we are able to just basically expand a, 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 an already big universe. You guys have my complete support. Anything I can do, because uh, yeah, you guys nailed it. Like I, I'm, I'm loving all the, the different shades of like the fan movies and series that I'm seeing, where you get like different things. No one's like really trying to hit the exact same thing and it's been a lot of fun like unworthy is a very interesting horror movie it looks like um this is just like kind of like once again things i wished for where so what what did andros end up doing where is carlos oh tj has a son so thank you guys so much i've had so much fun watching it watching it over again researching it and yeah uh i'm with dj uh chris you're quite legendary for you, man. Like you and the character that you guys created, um, has influenced my love of fiction ever since. And like oh, my wow. daydreams. Yeah. Like, like I said, like the orange in space was the beast wars moment where instead of just like going, ha ha ha, oh, awesome action. All of a sudden 
in my Power Rangers, I got legit world building and, and story progression and, and characters who had lives beyond the, the show that I was watching. So it's, it's an honor, man. Well, thank you very much, bro. All right, DJ, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Um, I have an IMDb. If you just want to look up stuff I've been involved in, um, you can look up DJ Rivers IMDb. As far as social media, I only have Facebook. Oh, no, I only have Instagram, to be honest with you, as far as any type of following. I don't Twitter. I'm so boring. It's not even funny. I barely post <laughs> on my stuff, but I do post stories a lot. Uh, but you can find me at DJ.2.Rivers. So the low period. So DJ.2.Rivers. Uh, that's where you can find me on social media. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out Chris's streaming channel. It's a good time. It keeps it positive, keeps it light, keeps it real, but keeps it respectful. Uh, definitely tell your friends to tune in. And the more he gets that support, the more we can keep doing this type of stuff. So uh, uh, it, it's a team effort, and we want to keep the team strong and alive. And just thank you guys. Cool. All right. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Hayward. Uh, uh, Chris, did you want to like, – DJ actually said where we could find you. But Chris, do you want to oh. say for yourself where we could find more of any of your work? Sure. Um, the two, the two primary things, because I have like you know, I have all of the. Uh, uh, I got Instagram, I got Facebook, I got Twitter, and all that stuff. But uh, the the primary one out of that is Instagram. Um, Christopher Kamenly. Uh, just look for the blue check, then you found me, and um, <laughs> and then I live stream on Twitch uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And that's Chris Kamen Lee. So easy peasy. Right on. I'll be watching. And uh, yep. yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Hayward. I'm on Instagram at, uh, at Keith Justice. And you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. And it's been a blast. I hope to have you guys on again. And so we can geek out some more. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> right on. All right, we're out. Take it easy, and we'll see you in the next episode. And done.